Welcome to Sacred Realms. It's a great day in Hyrule, y'all. Welcome to Sacred Realms, a Zelda retrospective podcast. I'm your host, Lyndon Willoughby, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt Willoughby, who uh, has had dinner, and I have not, and so I'm jealous of him already. <laughs> Just purely on that fact alone. Lyndon, you basically live your life in jealousy of me. I am smarter, I'm more attractive, I am just generally better at everything besides drawing than you are, so you You basically live your entire life in jealousy of me. Let's be honest. That is is (laughs) inaccurate, and also, I'm gonna... Your, our guest could be forgiven for thinking that Matt is being like unnecessarily nasty right now, but I did make kind of a low blow jab at him. Yeah, you did before going live on this episode. So you did. Yeah, turn turnabout is fair play, and uh, I deserve everything that he just said to me. So thank you for being objective about all of that because it's true. It's uh, perfectly balanced as all things should be. Uh, there is a uh, balance in the force, but anyway, it is fantastic to be here, Lyndon. Uh, and, uh, uh, I'm in my own apartment and you are at your house. So we're not together, which makes me a little bit sad, but I'm, I have a little bit of a cold. And so I'm trying not to get, uh, the baby sick because the baby is the most important aspect of really the entire will be family dynamic at this point in time. And, uh, it's just is what it is. So I'm I being safe. I definitely, you appreciate, um, trying as hard as you possibly can to not share your illnesses around with the rest of the family, especially in the week before Christmas. That's just good on you, Matt. That's fair play right there. There we go. And to cap it all off, as we said last week, we do have some guests or an unfortunately guest uh, this week. Our good friend Ben from the Hyrule Podcasters uh, joins us today. Unfortunately, Patrick, his brother, was unable to join us. Ben, how are you doing? And will you inform us as to Patrick's status and let the people know how he's doing? Oh, yeah. Patrick is uh, doing well. Uh, He just, you know how these things go. Holidays, things are all shifting, moving around, and he just couldn't be here tonight, unfortunately. But I'm stoked to be here and represents the... uh the Hyrule Podcasters! <laughs> and we, we uh, are stoked to have you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and, and more than anything else, we're very excited to uh, be able to record an episode with you that is going to land in the main channel. Obviously, this is going to be the third time that we've recorded together. Um, the first of those three times being on you guys' channel, and then the second one being on one of our bonus episodes, which you can gain access to at patreon.com slash sacred realm pod. Uh, which anyway. I did immediately following our recording when I learned that it was only going to be available for Patreon supporters. Oh, what'd you think? Oh, I loved it. I love it. Oh, it's great being, being in the pit. Yeah, you have a bunch yeah. of really great bonus episodes. I was really, I'd wanted to hear the Max Nichols deep dive into the Water Temple uh, uh, as well. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was, was a good one. Yeah, was a good my, my new Twitter friend, Max. So between, yeah, Matt, hey, he's a great one to follow on Twitter. Like, That's for um, sure. He has a lot of really interesting kind of deep dives that he'll take into game design and Zelda specifically. Um, every now and again, he, he'll kind of like pop off with like a 15 tweet thread that um, is kind of, you know, a little inside baseball on game design, but it's still just like incredibly fascinating, you know, like perspectives you never would have even considered. So, yeah, um, giving uh, giving Max Nichols a follow on Twitter is always worth your time. And he's a great, dude. So that's cool, too. But um, 
Yeah, no, I was super proud of how both uh, both episodes turned out, really. Um, you guys, uh, which I listened to after you put it up on your channel, and then the one that y'all did with us talking about where we would recommend a new uh, arrival, a new person arriving to the Zelda series for the first time, which game do we recommend that they start with, and do we recommend, uh, or do we think that top-down or 3D is a good place to start? And so I think we had a great conversation there. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, yeah, had excellent time. So yeah, definitely very happy to have you back on uh, to have this uh, conversation in a much more you know um, standard episode capacity, mm-hmm. talking about a chunk of a Zelda game and how we felt about it as we continue this wonderful journey through a link to the past. As I'm rediscovering some things, and Matthew's discovering a whole bunch of new things. So. All new things. They're all new. Every single one. Yeah. We're having an excellent time with it. Um, I am having an excellent time with it, actually, which is uh, surprising. I, I was so I have to be honest when I everyone always says like or especially when we started working on like what games we're going to play, blah, blah, blah. There was a lot of people that was like, Link to the Past is so good. And like, I just I have this strong internal bias against top downs. And I was like, honestly, mm. like you guys are just hyping this way up and I feel like I'm going to be disappointed, but I'm not like disappointed yet. So That's good. I mean, all good things so far. So I'm glad to hear you're not disappointed in one of one of the highest rated and most classic video games of all time. (laughs) Look, it's from a different era and I am almost 30 years old and have never played this game a single time in my life. So like, okay, you you could see how someone approaching this game from my standpoint might be less than enthused uh, compared to the people who are rating it so highly. I can understand. I get where you're coming from. I've always understood where you're coming from. Like, truly, I do. So, yeah, you're you're good. You're good. You did nothing wrong, Matt. Yeet. Leave Matthew alone. <laughs> yeah, well, that's normally directed at you, so I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> well, I'm, so, I'm self-analyzing right now. Yeah. <laughs> At least there's some objectivity there. So, Ben, uh, at the top of every episode, whenever we have a guest, we usually give uh, just a few minutes um, to kind of give us the elevator pitch uh, for our listeners on, like, you know, who are you? Um, what do you do in relation to, like, Zelda, video games, um, all of that? Um, so let's actually – let me back it up real quick. Let's start off with the first question we always ask, which is, what is your story with Zelda? Yeah, so it really started for me with the original Legend of Zelda and watching my mom play that when I was a little kid. So um, I am the same age as the Legend of Zelda. I turned 35 this year. Uh, Legend of Zelda turned 35 this year. Um, and we were a video game playing household growing up. My grandfather was a big just whatever the newest electronics thing was like he had it like he had a Betamax when they first came out he had a vcr when they first came out he had a dvd player he had a blu-ray player like laser disc guy yeah he's that guy right he's just you know whatever the newest piece of technology is like or like electronics thing like that uh and so undoubtedly he bought a nintendo you know nintendo entertainment system when it first came out Mm -hmm. uh, and that just lived at the house and uh, people were always over there playing and uh yeah so my main experience with the legend of zelda was uh starting with the first one watching my mom my aunt becky play primarily uh and then the um the first one that i distinctly remember playing would be a link to the past uh, my brother and i got the super nintendo for christmas the year it came out uh we got super mario world and a link to the past and uh would have played through that you know i would have been 
you know, I guess uh, five, six, somewhere in there uh, mm-hmm. when it came out. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't have any clear memories of playing it other than being told by my mother uh, that, that I played it. So that's kind of, I'm trying I'm to imagine like a more wonderful, um, two, uh, a more wonderful two games to get with your brand new console <laughs> than super Mario world and a link to the past. It's like really tough. I mean, that's a, that's a hell of a one, two punch right there. Yeah, that's a, it's a, it was a great start. So yeah, so that, and that really kind of like, uh, that was my start with, uh, with the legend of Zelda and I've played the majority of the non handheld games, uh, that have come out. Have you played the Majority's Mask? The Legend of Zelda Majority's Mask? <laughs> I have, I have, yeah. <laughs> cool, just wondering. Yeah. I'm shaking my head at you. <laughs> I, I, I feel ashamed of myself, I'm sorry guys. I apologize. I'm going to leave it in so that the entire world can experience my shame. But, you better, um, you, you leave in my shame most of the time that it happens, so if you don't leave in your own shame occasionally, I would just be very unhappy. I know, Matt. It's it's hard not being the editor, isn't it? Sometimes. That, I mean, sometimes yes, but then I think about how much time I save by not doing the editing, and I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Our, our exchange is that I name the episodes, and so if you looked at our first couple seasons, I definitely rib on Patrick quite a bit via the the naming of the episodes. So. That's actually a really good trade off. We'll have to think about that. I like I, I enjoy holding all of the all of the power. <laughs> of know? course. <laughs> it makes you feel very, very strong. It's a good position to be in. Okay, so you got the Super Nintendo, had a link to the past. That's kind of where you started off with. Mm-hmm. And would you say that your love of Zelda has like continued for most of your life since that point? Like kind of keeping up with maybe not every single game, but at least mm. a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, Ocarina, you know, coming out in... 97 i guess so i mean that was like peak for me when i was really you know playing you know that that kind of video game um and then i played all of the rest of the ones that i i had never beaten wind waker when it first came out i just kind of that was just like the wrong i was in like high school at that time wasn't playing a lot of of those video games uh halo had just come out when i was like i think a sophomore so Mm. played played a lot of that like in magical time yeah 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 and then um and then I definitely played Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword um, in college, but it was definitely like we got it, we beat it, we moved on. Like it mm-hmm. wasn't like um, we didn't really experience it in, in any kind of like deep way. Um, and then uh, playing Breath of the Wild uh, and same deal. Like the first time I played it, I just kind of like cruised through it, you know, maybe got like 40 or so shrines. Um, and now I just kind of have like a save file that I tap back into. Um, but most recently I've just been hanging out and like watching my mom play breath of the wild. And she actually got all 120 shines before she wanted to go beat Ganon. So she did like the whole thing. So. Good on her. Yeah. It's yeah. so, it's, it's so funny because breath of the wild, we're going to talk about this a lot when we get to that game, but mm. it's so funny because I don't know a single person or I don't know a single, I don't, I, I do not know two people who play that game the same way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I've like I've got a routine with Breath of the Wild. You know, I I every time I play it, I do I do the Divine Beasts in a certain order. Um, I commit to getting all 120 shrines and beating the DLC content. Like I'll I'll do everything else I want to do in the game, and only then will I go and beat Calamity Ganon. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and I love it. Yeah, and it's just, but like the thing, the fun thing is though, I'll set different rules for myself every time I play that game. So this past time, um, I was on normal mode, not master. Okay. Three hearts, 
but I was I didn't give myself any restrictions on upgrading my armor at all. Oh, okay. I've done it in the past to where like I would collect as many hearts as I found, but also I wouldn't upgrade a piece of Link's armor past what it looks like it should be able to do. So, mm. okay. So like for instance, I wouldn't upgrade like I don't know his <laughs> his like regular ass uh shirt you know or pants mm, yeah. up to like max defense but like his plate armor i would you know so then that kind of that made it sort of fun because that meant that i was like rotating pieces out more often to fit whatever situation i might have been in if i needed more defense i'd put on the whole knight's armor and whatnot oh, i like that i like that it was a lot of fun it was yeah. actually like a really fun way to play that game um but okay, so definitely, definitely hit a lot of the high points with Zelda then. So that's, that's your story in terms of you becoming a fan of Zelda. Um, now, obviously, you and Pat have kind of leveraged that into um, a whole other thing where you, uh, you have your own uh, podcast where you, you guys together are talking about um, your experiences with Zelda as you're replaying it. So tell us about Hyrule Podcasters and how that came to be. Yeah, so um, it was about a year ago. I called Patrick in the middle of a run uh, and said, hey, I've been listening to these guys who do this podcast called No One Can Know About This, where they play through all the Final Fantasy games. And I was like, I'm pretty sure we can do that. Uh, We just need to find the right game. And I think we could do that with the Legend of Zelda series. Um, Patrick was down and pretty much my pitch to him was, hey, if all we get to do uh, during the pandemic is play video games with each other then that's like a win <laughs> um and then if it's anything more than that then that's great and so that's kind of where we started is like definitely like the rule of fun and as long as we're having fun we'll we'll keep doing it uh and so yeah so we're on uh season three uh so we're playing in approximately release date order so our first season we played through the legend of zelda and uh link's adventure so the first two for the nes Uh, Our second season, we played through A Link to the Past. um, Mm -hmm. And then our current season right now, we're on season three, uh, which we're playing Ocarina of Time. Cool. I knew that you guys had because I'd listened to I'd listened to some of your episodes before we recorded together the first time. And so I knew that you had done The Legend of Zelda and A Link to the Past. But I didn't realize that you had dipped into um, the adventure of Link as as part of that first season. Oh, yeah. And. I got to tell you, Matt and I are like living in fear of the day that this this podcast gets around to that game. In particular, Matt, I cannot wait until I I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I only have so much power. I have one vote as a as a Patreon of you all. But yeah. Like I'm going to try and rally that you're Patreon supporters to force you to play that as soon as possible. So you're hearing me right now. <laughs> no, please. Patreon don't. supporters. No. Minish Cap needs to be our next one. Now, oh. the, next, the next game, I'm pretty sure, has to be a 3D one. Yeah, right? it, you it just does. did a 2D one. The next so one after is... the next 3D one, we got we to gotta force them to play back-to-back a Legend, The Legend of Zelda and then Link's Adventure. They will, it will be a wonderful <laughs> series of content. Oh, no. And I cannot wait. Uh, especially Matt. Matt's going to freak out. Matt, you should record yourself playing. I'm, you should stream yourself I'm gonna be, playing. I'm literally going to be like raging the I can't entire wait. time. I, know. I already know it. And I'm just going to like... Know it. Pump that, you know, crazy looking face of that guy raging just all the time like, while you're doing it. It's gonna be great. We're going to we're going to need to have a new section of the Sacred Realms rundown in which we kind of keep track of how many Nintendo Switch consoles Matt has broken. Like 
switch. It's like it would be just like a pile of dead switches. <laughs> just like throwing them. <laughs> Come on. No, I mean, in all fairness, though, like I am, I would say that I'm equally as as unenthused about playing Zelda two as Matt probably is like Zelda one. I think I'll be able to enjoy at least for just like it's historical and value and it's like importance to games, you know, but yeah, yeah. Zelda two just kind of knowing what the minute to minute gameplay is like in that game. Um, it just seems to me like, I mean, eight bit side scrolling action adventure platformers are sort of a dime a dozen, you know, and I, I have a hard time believing that, uh, the adventure of Link managed to add anything super interesting to that style of game, but I could be wrong. I don't know. And I mean, the, what I compare it to is like the only experience I really have with games from that era is the Return of the Jedi video game that was on, I think, the SNES as well. Yeah, the Super Nintendo. And that like literally never made it past the first half of the first level because the it was just was so, so stupidly, stupidly hard that I was hard. like, this isn't even fun. Like it's it, like this is stupid. <laughs> I'm just over it. Did Immediately. you ever play those? Ben, those any of those super Star Wars games? They're very difficult games. Yes. Yes, they're they very are. difficult games. Yeah. And I just I mean, love because they're like so wacky too. It's like they're not even a sort of close adaptation of the movies, right? It's yeah. <laughs> they're way I mean, out there. Yeah, you're like running around on the outside of Jabba's palace, like trying to jump into the door when you're Luke and you're like fighting all these weird creatures that don't exist in the movie. I was like, this is dumb. This yeah, is so I think, dumb. I think the video games are canon, though, right? According to Disney. Is that no. right? <laughs> I, you know what? I don't, I'm just going to go with whether or not they are. I'm still saying no. Just like well, I hey. refuse to acknowledge that the sequel trilogy exists. I refuse the, hey, to acknowledge that. Hey, look, in the multiverse, everything is canon, including Super Return of the Jedi. Yeah, so yeah. there you go. Yeah. And so uh, anyway. Darth Revan, who you can see behind me on my there wall. You go. Also him uh, or her. So him. Uh, okay. So you, so you and Pat get together, decide you want to start your own podcast. Thus Hyrule Podcasters is born. Mm -hmm. I just think that like, look, obviously the pandemic is this horrible garbage situation, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, it did gift us two entirely separate pairs of brothers who love Zelda, who just decided to go make a podcast about it. So <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Almost love at it. exactly so. the same time too. Like y'all yeah. started in yeah. March and we started in April. Yeah. Like within a month. Yeah. Almost exactly yeah. the same time. Yeah, and it's like, and it's still how we, you know, took two very different approaches to what we were going to do as well, right? Like, you know, yeah. we do what's called an audio-only Let's Play, which essentially, like, we play through the game in real time. You listen to us play in real time without edits, and we are just commenting as we're playing and providing color commentary. Yeah. Um, and then you all have this really great structured breakdown that I think really, like... You could you could probably queue up in our seasons. Will I'm thinking like ten years from now when we are done with this, people could just queue up our seasons <laughs> as they're playing through, and they could listen to the six chapters that you all put together. And they just could listen like to us play through it, right? They can just yeah. like play, like go like right yeah. back and forth. So they uh, they play really nicely together in the sandbox. Yeah, really cool. I would definitely encourage all of our listeners if you if you have not followed them, go give Hyrule Podcasters a follow. Um, subscribe to them wherever you get your podcasts because uh, I really do think, especially if you're playing through. Uh, if you're playing through whatever game we're playing through in real time, like if you're keeping up with us, um, I, I, I mean, the kind of content that Ben and Pat make is very different than kind of what we're doing and is going to offer, I think, a, a lot, a, a few extra dimensions to your gameplay experience. And so, uh, yeah, like really, I don't think you're going to be retreading any of the 
like you're, you're not going to feel like you're listening to the same podcast twice in a row. Like there's very different experiences there and uh, can't recommend it highly enough. Oh, well, thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. We have a lot Go of fun doing that. Well, I mean, it's Zelda, right? Like if we weren't having fun, then like. <laughs> right. Then what's the point? What's yeah, the point? exactly. Cool, cool. Well, thanks for giving us kind of a breakdown. Um, Absolutely. Real quick before we get into the chunk of game we played this week, uh, do you want to go ahead and plug you guys' uh, social channels and just let everyone know uh, where they can follow you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you want to interact primarily with me, I run our Twitter account, and that's Hyrule Podcaster, uh, because you can only have 16 <laughs> characters on Twitter. Pat was very grumpy about it. Uh, if you want to hang out with Patrick, he manages our Instagram, which is Hyrule Podcasters. Uh, we also have a Discord, so if you're already into the Discord thing, we'd love for you to come and hang out. And That's a lot more casual, laid-back, hanging out, and you can find any of the information on our Twitter, of course. And then uh, my last little plug is we're actually doing a Patreon drive. And um, anyone that pledges for the end of the year, we're doing enamel pins uh, for, our, for our first wave of, of oh, Patreon nice. this time around. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Come on by and uh, throw us a couple bones. And uh, we're just trying to make some great content and pay Patrick for doing all the work he does. So Hey, I try to pay Lyndon for all the work that he does. And then he pays me for just being sassy and attractive. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, the thing the thing the thing about the flow of money between you and me, Matt, is that it all just kind of tends to come out in the wash anyway when you that's factor true. in like when you factor in like whiskey and stogies and who's buying what. You yeah. Know? I, I mean, mean that's true. You buy dinner, I buy dinner, I bring stogies, I bring whiskey, you bring whiskey. It's just always it, it happens. I gotta, believe, I gotta believe we're breaking some kind of even. That's probably what day. it turns out. More or less. And what what yeah. I may not get in money, I get in baby snuggles. So mm. and those are priceless. Priceless. Man, well, as somebody who has literally limitless baby snugs to offer, I love that that's like a valuable currency for you. It's a valuable <laughs> currency for sure. Yes. I adore that child. Oh, man. Cool, cool. All right. Uh, really appreciate you giving us that rundown, Ben. Let's go ahead and get into just a little bit of housekeeping and then jump into this section of the game that we played this week because, guys, it's a doozy, and I can't wait to get into it. If you didn't know, Sacred Realms is a weekly re-examination of The Legend of Zelda, one little slice at a time. Sacred Realms drops every Wednesday and is available on all major podcast networks. Every week, we play a new section of a Zelda game. Then we sit down here to talk and to drop our hot takes. If that sounds fun to you, please head over to patreon.com slash sacred realms pod to get access to bonus episodes, write in listener mail, vote on what game we play next, and so much more. You can also head over to Apple Podcasts and you can hit that subscribe button. If you do that, we'd love for you to leave us a review. Five star reviews are greatly appreciated and they have a chance to get a shout out here on the show. We do have a five-star review that we would love to feature this week. This one comes from Ruck Shuck on Apple Podcasts, who says, I recently reached out to my brother to tell him I was replaying Ocarina of Time, which we played and bonded over as little kids just like the hosts, and he told me about this wonderful podcast. Great perspectives and conversations about the game. Of course, I started with Chapter 1 of Ocarina, and it has been a blast playing along with you guys. I've never been more excited to play other than when I was a little kid. And boy, howdy, that just that's like a lot of emotion and excitement there, right? Like, I Boy, howdy is a great thing to say. Boy, howdy. Love that. We, we from Texas, y'all. Like you might be from uh, Texas, yeah. Yeah, I know, right? Or something. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I remember exactly how excited I was to play Ocarina of Time for the first time when I was uh, when I was that age. And so somebody telling me that 
our podcast managed to help them recapture even a tiny smidgen of that feeling is an incredible compliment. So, Rukshuk, we appreciate you, and we are happy that you enjoy the show. Those th- those kinds of things just feel great to hear. They right? do really feel they good. Do. Like they, really they just—it's so fantastic. I mean, you guys, uh, Ben. I mean, like, I mean, you guys have gotten your share of positive reviews. Like, mm-hmm. does that just leave you like glowing? Absolutely, hundred percent. Every time, every time. Never or like, I had one of my colleagues. When I posted this in like our Slack channel, like when we first did it, I said, hey, I'm not going to spam this for every episode, but like we're doing something cool. And like five weeks later, one of my colleagues said like, hey, Ben, we are uh, I've I've replayed the original Legend of Zelda, which he's like, I played it for the first time when I was 20. He's like, and it was so much fun to play it again. I had such a great time like going through. I had forgotten almost everything. And just like I was like, oh, if I could just bring joy to people like that, that's really all I'm trying to do here. So we i mean half of the fun is helping other people have fun so mission accomplished right one of the most fun things that we've done so far or that has come out of this really i think for me is just i I do a lot of our twitter stuff Lyndon's the only one that has the access to our instagram but like i i do a lot of the responding to twitter comments and stuff and like one of the most fun things for me has been watching some of our more engaged listeners just go through on Twitter and just be like, I played this section of the game today. And like, I may be ahead of you guys, but like, this was really cool. I don't know if you knew about this and just like, you know, going through and, and experience watching our listeners experience the game along with us and then tell us about it and tell us how much fun they're having and tell us how much fun it is to play with us and feel like they're a part of the experience. Like that's just like, like that's what we wanted but it's, I never really thought we'd actually like get there or I guess I never realized how it would feel to to experience that. Yeah. And like now we, now we experience it and it's crazy. Like it's so fun. Yeah. Shout out to uh, West 3DP and Troidal Power who are always hanging out in there. Yeah. And yeah. and uh, I mean, just there is it's just really fun. It's really fun to see dedicated listeners just getting involved and, and like trying and being a part of the experience. And it, it makes it all worth it. You're one of the only podcasts that I have ever stopped a run for to tell you something on Twitter. <laughs> to then, of course, have to immediately stop a minute later when you made the point that I had just I, made. I was actually like, thinking was about that. I was like, we made the exact same point. Yeah, and it was it really was funny when you really tweeted funny. that. And I was like, wait, is he quoting me? Or like, it was really funny. It was, I was, was, like, really I was funny. like, oh, oh. It was like, like I'm listening to you in real time, which I'm not. You know, it felt like it. I was like, oh, I got to tell them this. They might, they might be able to use it. Oh, my God. <laughs> God, that was a fun moment for me, by the so way, when we, we were on the same wavelength, Ben. Good. I love we were it. There. I love it. Just like we were originally in our bonus episode. And then absolutely I, I you did. I but honestly, I, I followed you on that path as well, because at the end of the day, we I think we all ended up agreeing. So it's fine. Yeah. Join their Patreon. Listen to the bonus episode. Amen, brother. Well, podcast segue. Let's see if Ben and Matt are on the same wavelength about this section of the game. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> got it. That was a good segue. Nailed good segue. It. We're professionals. <laughs> we are professionals. It was not scripted segue. <laughs> we, of course, do that every week in the Sacred Realms Rundown, which is a six-part analysis of what we played this week and the feelings that it made us feel. Today, we are covering A Link to the Past, Chapter 6, which uh, uh, involves mostly the Skull Woods dungeon and uh, the uh, kind of dark forest area of the dark world. Lots of fun stuff there. Part one is the plot recap as read by Matt. Matt, take it away. Our quest continues to take us further into the dark world on our journey to save the maidens and Zelda. 
and in so doing, protect the realms from the king of evil and his twisted wishes with the Triforce. Knowing the dangers we face in this dark and twisted world, we spend a while exploring it and our own realm to find items and powers that can help us along our quest. After perusing the various realms, we head towards the western portion of the map, where our next dungeon lies. We enter the outcast village and scrounge for some useful items, but our end goal lies north of that ruined area in the dreaded Skull Woods. In the Skull Woods, we find a much more dangerous and confusing landscape than the Lost Woods of our own world. This place is filled with dark monsters, skulls, bones, and an aura of ancient evil. After wandering around for a fair bit, we eventually fall into a dark hole that drops us into a subterranean dungeon. Knowing instinctively that this area is important to our quest, we begin the process of dungeon diving to find what we need. It becomes apparent that the Skull Woods hides at least two very disparate and distinct dungeons, which each hold keys that the other area needs. While fighting Gibdos, more Baronades, and new Wallmaster enemies, we traverse and solve incredibly difficult puzzles to find the keys to the path forward. After much struggle, we grab the big key, and with it, the Fire Rod. It is not immediately obvious what the Fire Rod can do for us, but returning to the Skull Woods, we press forward. Eventually, we, far- we find a large insectoid-looking fossil, and after exhausting all of our other items on it, we use our new fire rod. As soon as the magic fire touches the ancient skeleton, it burns away to reveal a door to the third unique segment of this area. Once inside this third dungeon, we push forward against enemies and puzzles in order to reach the boss. Knowing the challenges ahead, we equip the new fire rod to help deal with the undead Gibdos and use our wit to traverse the maze-like rooms of shifting bottomless pits. Finally, we come to the last room of the dungeon and drop into the very bottom of this god's forsaken pit. There we find ourselves face to face with a gigantic moth, but more than that we are in a set of moving floor tiles surrounded by randomly attacking floor spikes. This moth flies around the room, shooting laser beams at us while the floor spikes fly out at random intervals and the floor tiles move around us against our will. All in all, this fight is the picture of chaos and randomization. The most effective tool in our arsenal against this Godzilla villain knockoff is the new fire rod, which does significant damage to the creature. After an interminable amount of time, many potions and or fairies, we finally defeat the creature and save the third maiden. This maiden, like her counterpart before her, expounds upon our role as the chosen hero. She tells us that our role as the hero was preordained as soon as a person of evil intent laid hands upon the Triforce. Since we are of the bloodline of the ancient knights that protect the lineage of Hylia, we have been chosen to be the sole champion against this evil, and it is up to us to defeat Ganon and save the Triforce, and thence all of the realms from his evil. All right. This has been the plot recap as read by Matt. Let's get into part two, which is our takes, where we talk about how this section of the game made us feel. And uh, I'm going to give it, as per usual, first to our guest. 
Um, the person who has played this section of the game the most recently, uh, although Matt, I think you did it. You did it earlier today, right? Okay, so I, I actually I don't want to get too much into that. This okay. section of game took me way longer than any other section of the game previously. So, but I, we've all would, we've all we've all played it within the last five days. Correct. So is that okay? Cool. cool. Yeah. Good. All right. So Ben, general thoughts, and without getting too specific on mm-hmm. the the dungeon, because we got we got a chunk for that. Um, where are you at with this section of a link to the past? Yeah. So this is, um, this is when the difficulty ramp up really happens is, is my, you know, first take on it. Um, the enemies hit very hard. Um, the little, uh, pterodactyl with the horn, uh, up Mm. in the trees, they take Mm -hmm. three hearts from you right now. Um, so if you were doing a three heart run, for instance, uh, one hit and you're dead. Uh, if you were just, if you just had only been picking up just the heart pieces at the end of the bosses, I think you'd only be at five, six, seven, you'd be at like eight, mm-hmm. um, at this point. So, um, and every enemy, um, is going to hit you for, you know, two or three. Um, there are also just a lot more enemies everywhere. Uh, there, and there's a lot more, uh, dynamicism going on with how the enemies attack and where they are and what their like uh, profiles are. You have mm-hmm. Hinoxes that are throwing bombs at you, you know, while soldiers are chasing you. So there's just a lot more activity going on, especially with the hook shot. You can kind of go a little North near where the, um, the witches, uh, um, hut used to be and that's where you can like cross over the river finally mm, and once yeah. you're in that section like near the graveyard like where the ghosts are like there's just a lot there um so i want up- i want to make a point about that real quick because um i think you're absolutely right uh it's it's kind of shocking just how much damage a lot of the enemies in this section of the game can do to you that starts as soon as you get to the dark world but there are some up in the skull woods area that are even like like you're talking about the pterodactyl ones, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. like they, they're faster and, um, you know, you get hit by them and it's a hit that doesn't feel like it would be a huge deal in the light world. But in the dark world, it takes a huge chunk of your health off. But the thing that I think is the most interesting is that I think as gamers, for people who play a lot of games, you expect there to be a corresponding amount of difficulty to kill that goes along with the amount of damage that an enemy does to you. And so one of the things that keeps catching me by surprise in the dark world is that there will be enemies that I know are like I can kill in one hit with the master sword or in two hits like they're not they're not beefy in the way that a Hinox is. Right. Mm -hmm. But they'll hit me and I'll take way more damage than I expect to take. And it surprises me every time because the fact that that I know the enemy is not as hard to kill, Mm -hmm. like has me in a false sense of security about how much damage it will do to me if it touches me. Yeah, I like having high damage output enemies that can die in one hit. Like that game design choice mm-hmm. is really great because it definitely it sets you on your toes. You're like, oh, like you need to be evasive, but it's still it still encourages you to attack because you can still kill them in one or two hits. Uh, now, there are some people once we get into the dungeon, you know, a little bit later on in our discussion that that is not the case for. But mm-hmm. everyone in the overworld, besides the Hinoxes, you can hit you can kill one or two hits. But like I said, those pterodactyls uh, and they usually come in like pairs. And so and they tend to like, you know, come mirrored of each other. So they can be very difficult to uh, to move around. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, and then outside of that, it was fun to do a little exploration, um, mm-hmm. obviously, with the hook shot. Um, I, in, in the playthrough for our season, um, I thought once you had the hook shot, you could just do a ton of stuff that is incorrect. You actually need uh, an item you get later on, uh, to actually 
they it's like you can use the hook shot, but then you're immediately stymied by another obstacle. Mm. Um, and so I ended up getting, I ended up being like, we're going to go on an adventure. And then we went on no adventure. Uh, but this yeah, time it was, it was a very minimal adventure. Uh, very I have minimal, to say yeah. the same thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I picked up a few items, got a few heart pieces. It was pretty good. I will say that I, I felt the exact same thing about the whole hook shot, not getting you as many places as you would expect to be able to go. And I think one of the main reasons that hold on, I'm getting a notification on my, Oh, <laughs> Uh, my audio hardware just had a freak out, but it's good. Uh, one of the reasons that that is, is because I played, uh, I think I told you this when we record our bonus episode, but, um, I played Link's Awakening, uh, was my first Zelda game and I've played it many, many times Mm -hmm. since then. And in Link's Awakening, once you get the hook shot, you do have that pretty immediate, like Mm -hmm. now I can kind of go everywhere I couldn't go before, you know? Um, and that's not the case in this game. And I think the reason I was expecting it was because of Link's Awakening. But yeah, we've talked about that. Like, yeah, I mean, if I had a nickel for every time we mentioned this season, that's like, oh, I expect to be able to do this thing in A Link to the Past because it's done in later Zelda games. But mm-hmm. like A Link to the Past was like the first example of all of this right, anyway. Right, so right. it's like hard to hold it to that standard. But just one more example of that. Uh, Matt, where were you at with this section of the game? So I actually spent a huge chunk of this section going back and doing a lot of the things that I missed. So we talked last week about like, I don't have the upgraded shield. I don't have the upgraded boomerang. I don't have magic powder. I don't have XYZ. So I spent a ton of time going back and I did actually have to use Zelda dungeon.net to find some of this stuff. Um, because like, I didn't know where to go. And, um, so I had to, I had to cheat a little bit to go find, um, magic powder and i was peeved off by that one because i kept i brought the mushroom to the witch because i knew that's what i needed to do but then i couldn't figure out how to turn that into magic powder because she just kept telling me to come back later and it was like oh go inside the hut and then yes and i was like that is that is just so easy that uh so that was kind of obnoxious um you told me where to find the upgrade fairy uh, mm. lady so i went and mm. did that and then i i really palled around just for a long time free roam palled around back and forth between the light and the dark world to try to find some more pieces of heart because i was really low on on hearts so i got up to 12 i think um just finding heart pieces and um so i i just explored a lot this week um cool. which was really great uh uh, but specifically about this section of game, not the backtracking stuff was, I mean, really to, to mirror exactly what Ben said was I have the hook shot. I expect to be able to go and explore way more of Hyrule than normal or than I was previously. And I really couldn't like I, I went and I got into the outcast village and yep. that was about it yep. that I got out of the hook shot. I got to, I did go to the, east side mountain range past Hera mm. tower and right. palled around there for a while and got like a piece of heart out of it, which just was very, did not feel like the juice was worth the squeeze there. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> walked away from that being like, man, I just wasted an hour and a half walking around the mountain range and got nothing. And, uh, so that was a little bit interesting. Um, skull woods though, <laughs> Skull Woods, the this the you know the dark mirror of the Lost Woods was just a lot 
Like it, it was a lot and it was a lot harder than the lost woods. Um, the outlaw village was interesting. There's like nothing to do there except for the one merchant. Um, there's a piece of heart that you can get, or there's like a couple hundred rupees and, I just feels that the wet, the Northwest section of that map just feels very sparse and barren to me compared to the Northwest section of the light world map, which is where you get most of your character interactions that are going well, on. Just a, I mean, j- just, you know, for the sake of transparency, Matt, that outcast village, like you're kind of creeping into another dungeon section of the game. Yeah, I, I saw like, that that the fourth dungeon is is like right below it. So I, yeah, I like yeah. I know that that's coming up, but um, you can actually do four and three. Four and three aren't dependent on each other. So you could you do can, out of order you if you wanted up. to. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. yeah so like it, it was it was good in the fact that I spent a lot of time catching up on the things that I missed. Um, and then Skull Woods was just an interesting challenge in and of itself, which I, I feel like Skull Woods and the dungeon are generally tied together intrinsically. So there's a lot that we're going to have to talk about between, you know, between yeah. the our yeah. hot takes versus the dungeon map, because it's it's another one of those weird dungeons that is equal parts dungeon and overworld, which I don't I don't know of any other dungeon in any other Zelda game that is that way besides Link to the Past. But anyway, um, yeah, that's kind of my takes is it was it was uh, less populated in the actual chunk, but I filled it out with a lot of things that I backtracked and picked up on that I was missing out on. Oh, I and I also <laughs> I had to leave the dungeon after I died to the boss four times because I had no magic meter <laughs> and go find the mad batter in order to upgrade my magic meter because I literally could not make it through that dungeon with the correct amount of magic meter. Like I had to, I had to leave the dungeon and go backtrack to get stuff. And so that was interesting. Yeah. So I've got a lot that I want to touch on once we get there. Like that, that's going to be a beefy discussion for a few different reasons. I'm yeah. going to go ahead and say that for me, generally this section of the game, I enjoyed a lot. I did a lot of exploration, which yielded me a few pretty darn cool things, including one item that I forgot was in this game. But, um, and I'm not even sure. I, I believe that it's not necessary to beat this game. Um, but it's really stinking cool. And I can't wait to talk about it when I get into side quests, which is where I'll talk more about that. Um, but yeah, I think overall really enjoyed, uh, really enjoyed this area of the game, mostly just because of what Matt is talking about in terms of the kind of blurred line between the overworld and the dungeon, which I think, um, you know, we've mentioned before about how a link to the past uh, kind of has a lot of very templatized versions of things that we expect to see from Zelda games. You know, it's got a very, like it's got all the different archetypes of dungeon and it's got kind of a very, um, I guess standard, what we consider now standardized mm. layout and progression. Um, and I still think that that's the case overall, but the skull woods dungeon is actually a really interesting little area. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that a lot of Zelda games kind of have dipped back into that. Well, of that style of dungeon too, super often. So, um, going to be a lot. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ben. Say, you know, one thing that just kind of just springs to mind just goes in the zeitgeist is, you know, you saying that about like this game and setting precedent, you know, a lot of people may play this game, if, if it's their first time playing it and be like, oh, why does this seem like this thing from this other game and this thing from this other game, this thing from this other game? What you realize is like, oh, you're playing a game that set a standard, right? And that's a lot like I feel like a lot of people are experiencing Dune for their first time. 
Mm, yeah. And it's the exact same thing. They're like, oh, this is like Star Wars and Star Trek and, and everything. And it's like, no, 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 no. They're all like Dune. And that could be, you know, like that is when you, however you experience media. I mean, that's the great thing about media. Like it exists in perpetuity. Exactly. And it can be difficult to, you know, recommend like, oh, right. This was a precedent setting thing. Mm-hmm. Not the thing that like copied everything else. Yeah, it's so funny. I, I mean, Matt and I actually, we both saw Dune recently. We're both fans of that, uh, of that IP and we loved the movie. Oh, um, God, it was great. Oh, it was amazing. Sorry. And I think people actually tend to forget that Dune has got much more in common with like the Lord of the Rings in terms oh, yeah. of, uh, in terms of like when it came out and what it meant to a genre than it does to any other, you know, Star Trek, Star Wars, whatever. But ah, love Dune. Go see Dune. Dune's great. See Dune. <laughs> We're already getting another one. So Timothy I don't feel Timothy like, Chalamet yeah. is a fantastic Paul Atreides, and obviously any movie with Zendaya is uh, is gold. So just you know, like go do it. <laughs> and Zendaya. Oscar Isaac, he's just a gorgeous man. In Zendaya, we stand. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> um, <laughs> anywho, <laughs> neither here nor there on Dune. Let's go ahead and just get into what I feel like is going to be the meat of this episode, which is part three, the dungeon map, where we analyze this week's dungeon from mechanics to music and more. This week's dungeon is the Skull Woods. And in a twist from what we're typically used to experiencing in a Zelda game, the premise of this dungeon is that basically once you enter the Skull Woods, which takes up the same amount of space in the Dark World as the Lost Woods does in the Light World, you're basically in the dungeon at that point. And it's got multiple entrances and exits. Um, it, it it looks like a part of the overworld. It behaves like a part of the overworld. But the dungeon itself is just kind of scattered all throughout that. Um, and you can access it via holes that you fall through into the underground areas. And that's where most of the treasure chest accumulating and puzzle solving happens. But it's a very unique dungeon overall. Um, uh, here, Ben, you 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 start off. Okay. <laughs> uh, um. Where, yeah, I mean, just kind of how did you feel about this? This kind of balance balancing of these two separate types of things that we're usually we're used to having them separated and here they're very much mashed together. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was really key um, to just have such a at this point in the game to have this blended. I mean, you could almost think about it, um, you know, where the skeleton forest, which is the the not inside the dungeon piece and then skull woods which is like the inside the dungeon piece. You know, you can really think about it, you know, almost like a vertical dungeon, right? You know, probably one of, one of Max's favorites, right? He loves the vertical. Um, he loves the vertical. You know, and, and that's really like, I think that's a really good way to think about it, right? Where you have this like additional floor on top, but it ends up just adding so much, um, so much interesting gameplay. And so I actually, I looked up some stats. So these are come from Zelda universe. And so there are a total of eight entrances for this dungeon. There are four holes and there are four classic cave entrances um and then uh it's also three discontinuous sections right and so you can't there are three separate sections that you cannot get from section a to section b you must go outside into the skeleton forest to then get into section b from section a there is no direct way and that's just that is very limited like when you first open up the map it's only one floor and then you have a basement that is one single tile and so you think oh, I'm just going to be able to, I'm on the right side. I'm just going to be able to traverse, you know, from right to left, kind of doing all this. But you get to these places like, I cannot go any further. There is a door here that prevents me from going any further. So you must go outside and then you must utilize, you know, then the skeleton forest entrances. Uh, And being able to find them can be be quite tricky. And Mm -hmm. um, 
the the ramp and difficulty makes that a lot more difficult. My my question to you all is how did you what was the first entrance you used to get into the dungeon? Uh for me it was so you know in the light world there's that um there's that grid of bushes and once you hack them to pieces there's a hole and you fall into it and there's a yes. heart piece down there. Yep, yep, yep. Cool. There's an exact there there's an exact same size grid of bushes in the dark world with yes. a hole in the same place that just goes into the dungeon. That's where I entered for the first time. That's a very frustrating point to enter because you enter, <laughs> you can go through the next door, you can blow up a wall, which is super cool. Yeah. Um but then the big chest is there, but you can't do anything with the big chest because you know the big key. Then yep. you have to realize that you have to use the hook shot on a statue you can't see to then like exit is very like, oh, okay, well, I guess this is what this is going to be and like taking it in chunks. What about you, Matt? How did you stumble into the... So uh, after wandering around the woods for probably an hour trying to find the entrance, I, I found the giant... Uh, actually, I didn't find the giant skeleton. Um, so I was wandering around, and at some point I realized um, I can't go any further west. And I know that west is where I need to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was looking around, and I saw some holes, the the big the, the rectangle holes. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know, normally those hurt you when you fall down them. But I wonder what would happen if I just jumped in one and saw and just like, Rolled the dice. And uh, so that's how I that's how I randomly found my way into the underground dungeon. And I was like, oh, cool. I thought, honestly, we were in a um, I thought we were in an Ocarina of Time uh, dungeon under the well section. That was not the actual dungeon, but that like you had to do to get into the Shadow Temple. Mm. Like I thought we were in in that situation for a long time. So that's what I was going. I was going to ask both of you. Um, do you think that there are a lot of people who stumble into this dungeon without realizing that they're in a dungeon? Yeah, I, like I honestly thought that like, oh, I need to like do something in here to get the key or something to open up the actual dungeon. And then which you could argue you do have to do something like that to get into the actual dungeon. I mean, that's, that's true. <laughs> yeah, you have to get the, the fire rod in order to do the thing and, and, and open up the skeleton. Yeah. But like. Yeah, it was it was interesting because I dropped into that first section, walked around, got some keys, got the big key. Then I had to figure out uh, there's no way for me to take this key and get to the other area. So like the three disconnected sections, right? Trying right. to get the right amount of things, the between small keys, big keys, items, all the and, and like I, I was like lost completely mm. until I was like, okay, this is probably a lot like the desert temple thing that we did where I have to go out and back into the outworld and kind of wander around. And so I did that and I kept like jumping into some holes and then I, it kept dropping me into the very same, you know, okay. space. So, yeah. So Matt, I think we're, we're kind of hitting you. We're, we're, we're kind of bouncing all around your story with this dungeon real quick. And you kind of said previously that you had a whole experience with this thing. So, uh, yeah, you know, spanning days. So yes. 
what was your experience with the Skullwoods? <laughs> I mean, like I've been saying, I, I was just bouncing all over the place trying to figure out because, like I said, I I am not using guides for anything, and, and except for I had to use a guide to figure out how to get magic powder so I, that I could upgrade my magic meter. That's the only thing so far in this entire game that I have used a guide for, and um, so I, I was wandering around. And it took me over an hour just to figure out how to get into the first disconnected portion of the dungeon. And I jumped in the hole. And the reason I wasn't jumping in the holes the whole time is because I thought it was just going to hurt me. Mm -hmm. And so I finally just like said, screw it. There's nothing else for me to do other than jump in this hole. Got down there and I start, I just start like wandering around and, and I, you know, get everything I can out of this first section. And then I don't know where to go. I'm like, okay, I've done everything in here. I'm looking at the map. I can see that. Because in the first section, you can get the map and the compass. So I'm looking at the map and the compass, and I'm like, okay, the boss is like in the B2, and I can't get down there. And so I like, I go out to the overworld, and then I'm, I drop down some other hole, and it drops me back into the same place. Okay, fine. Go back into the overworld. Oh, that that skull has a little opening, so I, I drop down in there, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is cool. So I get into the, the second part, and I just start wandering around in there. And, and like the whole thing that takes me most of my Saturday is, <laughs> is um, wandering around between these two dungeons, right? These two disconnected dungeons is trying to figure out, I have the big key. How do I get over to get the thing out of the chest? And then, uh, I mean, it was just a lot. So I finally get it. I finally get the fire rod and then I'm like, what do I do with fire rod? Because the ice rod does nothing. So I, I mm. honestly thought for a moment, Interesting. I had a, I had a very disheartening moment of, did I seriously just do all of that to get another optional item? <laughs> and like, I turned, I, I honestly, I was like, I'm going to save, I like, I'm going to save and quit. Cause like, I just, I need to reset myself a little bit. And so I, after I got the fire rod, I saved to quit. And, you know, I went to your house, Lyndon, for uh, uh, dinner and uh, all the things. And then I, I logged back on the next day. And that's when I did a lot of the uh, wandering around trying to get some more heart containers and stuff. And then uh, today um, was when I was like, okay, I know... I, I like have to believe. And, and during my first wanderings on Saturday, I just, I did discover the big skull thing and I tried to like bomb it. I hit it with every item in my entire arsenal. I tried to do all the various things and nothing happened. So I was like, okay, that's big giant insect skull. I know that that has to be important. This just right. has to be. So I was like, I'm going to take my fire rod over there right. and I'm going to like use it. And I did, and obviously thing, that opens the it up. The only thing you have yet to use. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. I didn't have the fire rod at the point that I found the, the big skull thing. It's like, yeah. I, it has to work. So I went over there and I did it and I was like, yeah, you know, it's just so like I, primal scream of uh, triumph. <laughs> yeah. So interesting little thing. I actually, I was having stogies with uh, another uh, frequent guest of this, of this program the other night. And that would be, of course, Mike, the detective. Um, Mike the detective. Who yes, who who lives in my same subdivision, and he and I see each other about once a week. Um, but anyway, we were chilling the other night, and he was playing through this section of the game and telling me how frustrated he was with it. And he had the exact same thing happen as you, Matt, where he um, 
he was getting stuck up against like knowing he had to get past that giant skull somehow, but it wasn't immediately clear in what way he needed to do that. And obviously, um, once you get the fire rod, you can kind of put some pieces together and be like, okay, I just got this thing. So this must be like needed for me to progress further in some way. But I will say that, you know, there's nothing about that skull spine thing you have to light on fire. It doesn't that, look flammable. Yeah, it's like a, it, it's kind of a stretch, right? It, like, it looks like a, a fossil. I'm sitting there trying yeah. to hit it with the hammer to break it. Like I'm, I'm thinking yeah, of yeah. it the same way that I think about the uh, dragon head at the entrance of Turtle Rock, where it's got the 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 stone skull that you have to break yes. with bombs. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I was thinking of it like that. And but, oh my god, it is not. It doesn't look flammable, but apparently it is. So whatever. Yeah, yeah there's no there's no signposting for that, and it, it's not necessarily like you get the you get the fire rod, and outside of being able to kill enemies and light braziers, you know, you're not really tested on anything else that it can do really well. Um, and I think that would be one of the places where you know coming back with like a 2021 mindset on like game design, it been like oh we would have done something earlier on in there in a really low key way that just was like, Oh yeah, not only you can also burn, you should just try and burn kind of anything. Or like uh, they could have even covered it in like vines or something instead of making it look like a straight stone fossil, just like cover the head with some vines. And then it's like something that looks flammable. Yep. Yeah. I mean, this is just, you know, this is gaming 30 years ago, right? Yeah. You know, it's like, well, we, you know, you'll figure it out eventually because you only have so many things you can do. Yeah, no, definitely. So anyway, Mike got hung up on it in the very same way you did, Matt. I I enjoyed this dungeon. I really did. Um, I kind of remembered that uh, that it did have that interesting combination of overworld versus actual what you consider to be a dungeon. But the thing is that I um, I do not have the layout of this thing committed to memory. Mm. So for me, it, even though I knew it was going to be that way, it was still rediscovering the the dungeon in a lot of ways. You know, um, it was still very challenging and uh, definitely did not have a lot of past knowledge to fall back on in terms of how to solve it and beat it. Um, and, and I do think it is a nice little brain twister, you know, trying to keep mm-hmm. in mind the geography, especially once you get the dungeon map, you know where rooms are underground, but trying to keep track of like all the entrances and exits on the overworld, too. Um, I just think that that's a really fun challenge and it's not an unfair challenge like some some things things that are difficult to do in games of this era are difficult and sometimes in in what sometimes feels like a spiteful way Mm, right mm, yeah like this is hard and it's hard just because we decided we wanted to make you endure something difficult right now you know um and this is not that this is very much like you know it's it's challenging but in a way that's making you think not in a way that's being unfair to you so Matt, the only you, the only oh, point yeah. that I would really disagree with you on that is the introduction of the master hands or, or the the hands that grab you and pull you up and oh, reset the wall masters. The, the, wall masters. Yeah. the introduction of non-killable wall masters, you can kill them. You can, but they infinitely spawn. Oh sure. Yeah. Like but that's like that's such a classic Zelda thing. But it's do. not. I mean, like there's there's yes, not no. In Wall Masters don't continually spawn an Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, or any other game that I've ever played. You kill them once and they're dead, and you can wander the rest of that entire section without the Wall Master being there. They do in at least several games that I've played. I I actually so um 
So I I took some notes. So I I rewatched my gameplay <laughs> from when I when when Patrick and I did this uh you know about six months ago. Mm-hmm. I got picked up by f- seven Wallmasters. And <laughs> yeah. to be clear, like I'll play this I'll play this game twenty. Like I'm very good at this video game. <laughs> yeah, and, but just like you know on the pod doing it with Patrick and you know we're having a lot of fun and yeah so i ended up getting picked up like 7 times i think is what what the count was and that's um, incredible it just adds such a level because not only that but this is when i was talking about how they pair enemies um so if if you look at the map of skeleton woods there are three entrances that kind of funnel you in to what we'll call like the rightmost section like section c um and when you drop in there in that first big room there are three gibdos infinite hand and the gibdos take eight hits with the master sword They're, yeah the gibdos are insanely hard yeah, to kill yeah yeah, yeah. so and, that just that just fire rod yeah, or almost medallion that's true yeah and so that just adds like just a lot of tension and then of course how they have all these like narrow corridors right mm-hmm where the wall masters are and they have all these like pushing puzzles where the wall masters are. Well, that right? was yes. the one that was the one that pissed me off was where you have to like the pushing one. Yeah. Where you have to push you have to the, the, yeah, you, you have to the push the statue and then you have to pull it up, yeah, but you're yeah. pulling slow enough that if you, yep. if the hand comes down, you're moving yep. slow enough when you're pulling that he'll grab you every time. That's the one that pissed me off. Yeah. I got, I, knew I got hit two out of three I, times that I got yep. hit by wall masters was in yep. that puzzle. Yep. Same here. Same here. Uh, Matt question for <laughs> you. How long did it take you to figure out that you could slice the vines to find that secret? Actually, not that long. I, I okay. did. It, I actually okay. did it by accident. I was real nervous. Yeah. I was real nervous no, about that. I, I, I did like, that oh, by God, accident in one of the other rooms. And I was like, oh, that's neat. And then I went around in every room and sliced every vine. And it that's only actually matters one single time. And so that was yeah. A, yeah. Eh, whatever. So I will say about that. I, um, I Obviously, I knew that those vines were destructible and that there was a secret entrance behind one of them. But for some reason, I had it in my head that you had to have the fire rod to burn those away. And so it's actually very logical. Yeah. There was like a solid five or 10 minutes where I was not engaging with them at all, just because I was so sure I was like, I don't have the fire rod yet, so I'm not even going to bother. And then like after a few minutes of not finding anything, I was like, I mean, I guess it's worth a shot. And then I was like, Oh, okay. I remembered that completely wrong. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, yeah, so so those wall masters were obnoxious. The gibdos until you get the fire rod were just so tanky. But other than the the room where you had the three gibdos, the two uh birnas, burnas, whatever they're called, the jellyfish, and then the infinite wall master, like that room was by far just the most frustrating room for me. Well, and then yep. in some, and t- talking about, you know, the wall masters too, and having, a, especially when you've got like a limited floor space to kind of try and evade them. Um, some of those rooms have got those star tiles where you're yes. creating gaps around yourself. Yes. Yeah. And so, you and the, of, uh, and the thing that turns you into a bunny, those, that threw me I for get hit a by that all the time. dude. I got hit by that only yep. one time. And I was like, what just happened to me? I am so lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. The moonbeam or something like that. Yeah, that was actually a really cool mechanic. I really liked that mechanic. That was awesome. It removes the benefits of the moon's pearl. Yeah, you like pick up a pot and just get hit by it. You're just like, what is this? Wait, what just happened to me? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That was awesome. (laughs) Yeah, no. So I I think definitely, um, definitely uh, continuing the trend of increasingly difficult dungeons as we're in the back half of this game. Um, Matt, so yeah, it, we're going to get to the boss in a second because I want to have a whole different conversation around bosses and 
enemies of a certain era of game design. But uh, talking about the puzzle solving aspects of the dungeon, Matt, you spent a lot of time beating your head up against the wall on this one. Do you feel that it was unfair or do you feel that that time kind of overstayed its welcome in terms of you having fun with it? I think each isolated section itself was fine. I think there could have been a much better way to connect the three sections in a, in a more logical manner to make it flow more smoothly. Um, it was it was far too frustrating to try to take a key from one section and go to another or take the big key from one section and go to the other section. And, and like just going back and forth and all around and, and like not knowing or not having any indication whatsoever of where the entrances to the disparate sections are because like some of the holes will drop you into the same section. Some of them will drop you into a different section. One doorway takes you into the same section that two of the holes drop you in. So you end up spending a lot of time going back and forth, like which one is the right entrance. And until you do a ton of trial and error to figure it out, um, Mm. you, you just waste an hour and a half, two hours trying to figure out how to navigate these three disparate sections. Um, so I enjoyed very much other than the, the section that I just complained about with the three Gibdos and the two, uh, jellyfish and the infinite wall hand, every other puzzle section of this dungeon, I really enjoyed. Like, I like the tiles that change where you have to like move around in a certain pattern within the room to change the tiles in a certain way, uh, leading up to the boss room specifically. And then there's the one where you go in and there's like two Gibdos and all the bumpers and, and the like spiky balls and you have to just move around the right way. Like all of that, none of that bothers me. Um, so like, I think if there was a more fluid connection between the three sections, it would have been far more enjoyable. I wouldn't say that I didn't enjoy it, but I definitely was more frustrated by this section of the game than any other section of the game previously. Okay, so let's get into another conversation about things that are frustrating and talk about the boss of this dungeon, which is I actually don't even remember his name, but I call him Big Moth Boy. Yeah, Mothula. Mothula. Definitely Mothula. not Mothra, right? <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say, is we're basically fighting a Godzilla villain, so let's just yeah. call it Mothra. <laughs> yeah. Mothra is a, is a level up in difficulty, for yes. sure. I mean, yeah. y'all just would have fought, you know, the the eyeballs floating around, the the big guy, bar- Baronade. Um, but uh, but yeah, th- this is definitely a level up from from what we've had to do between the Armoses and, and Baronade. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a very... Very challenging boss, and the the randomness of it makes it very difficult. With uh, um, yeah, you're just not ready for it. You fall down the hole, and you know spikes are flying at you. The floor is moving, and he's flying around and shooting rings at you. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, very very difficult. I I died the first time dropping down in there, um, and then uh, yeah, ran, ran out of magic. <laughs> yeah, uh, I died four times against this mm. boss, and. Mm. Uh, Look, he's just really hard. Um, I think all the other bosses that we've played before this one, a lot of it can be um, a lot of the difficulty can be overcome just by kind of keeping track of your position relative to the boss and moving very intentionally around the arena. Right. 
Um, but in this one, you can't do that because of what you're talking about, where like you've got the boss and what he's doing, but then you've also got all these spike blocks that are just flying all over the place. And in some cases, depending on how the boss is moving, it's impossible to not get hit. Like you're mm-hmm. either going to get hit by the boss or one of his projectiles or by a spike block. There's just nothing you can do about it. Um, I think that, uh, like, look, I, I love being challenged by combat in Zelda games. I really do. I love it when it's hard. Um, I feel like this boss fight is kind of just a little bit okay. beca- because it not, I mean, and it's, which isn't to say I didn't enjoy it, but I think from a design perspective, it's a little, mm. it's a little, okay. um, because, uh, there's just truly like, I think it indulges in some of the worst impulses of enemy design of this era of video games where it's less about creating a um i don't know a a pathway that you can discover towards damaging the boss like if if you figure out how to do this correctly then you can do it without taking too much damage or without having too hard of a time with it but it's about figuring that out right and then you've got the more like just kind of spam damage sort of enemy design of this era and that's definitely what this boss is right Mm -hmm. um and so I, I think that that's just that's interesting because I don't think any of the other bosses that we've played so far in A Link to the Past fall into that category, really. Um, and, and and yeah, I mean, he's just he's just a hard. Um, well, I, I do think the, the biggest thing that this boss brings in, it's the randomness that 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 is the thing that like tilts it over the edge. And it's randomness from the rings that they shoot. It's randomness from the spikes and it's randomness from the um, from the moving platforms. Yeah. And that makes it really tough to have three random things that you're trying to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on how many heart containers you have and how many bottles you have with items in it, uh, Matt, a uh, hot tip for you, just so you know, if you throw an empty bottle into the wishing well, it'll fill up with uh, magic potion for free. So well, that's interesting. Places, when you when you need magic potion, you can get as much of it as you want for free. Uh, although rupees aren't that hard to get in the game, but we, yeah, we right. definitely, I mean, I had to like, I tried to beat it again failed so then had to like run back fill up on stuff come back i mean it's quite a gauntlet to get through to get to the boss yeah it is not like that that we'll call it section a right the leftmost section it's a it's it's a kind of a nasty section and you have to use your fire rod to solve that one puzzle with the gibdos and the long room and the brazier yeah you have to light four braziers which if you don't have the upgraded magic meter that takes up almost all of your magic meter and if you use that to kill the gibdos as well then you literally go into that boss fight with zero magic well and you're screwed Worth mentioning too, though you can damage that boss with your sword. Oh yeah, correct. Really but man, good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I tried three times and died. Yeah. I think if you have the fire rod and you have the half magic meter power up, and you hit them every time, I think it, it's died. a one. It's a one phase boss. Yes, but like that's hard. Like it's it's hard to you you had you would have had to have gotten that and stumbled across it. I think those upgrades are some of the harder upgrades to find in the game. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, the magic the magic upgrade. Yeah. So I, I will say about this boss, um, one thing that I was thinking the entire time I was fighting him was I think this boss would have been a lot more fun in Link's Awakening because if you have the rocks feather and you're able to incorporate an element of jumping over the spike blocks, oh, like it would, cool. it would be still cool. be hard. It would still yeah, be hard. That'd be cool. um, but at least there would be some some kind of movement ability that kind of is available to you other than just having to like walk around them, you know? Yeah. Um, 
so that's kind of what I was thinking the, the whole entire time I was doing this. But yes, he is a he is a tough, fast boss that does a lot of damage um, mm-hmm. and with a lot of environmental hazards. And yeah, I mean, definitely, I think hands down the hardest boss in the game up until this point. Certainly. Yeah. Okay, so that has been part three, the dungeon map. Uh, ben, do you have any last words you want to say about this dungeon before we move on to some of this, to, to some other stuff? I mean, I know you were taking a lot of notes, and I'm sure, like, if you had like a really great something you wanted to get in there, I don't want to steal that from you. No, just fa- favorite dungeon, favorite dungeon in the for sure. In oh, the, really? Even, even oh yeah, so far or like hindsight, it will, it will be my favorite dungeon at the end of the game as well. Dang. Okay. Yep. I just I really like wow, the, that is I like a hot the take. multi-tiered. I like the multi-tiered piece of it. I like the the going in and out. It's just so it's innovative uh and it's difficult and I like I like the difficulty spike. So Okay. Sweet. Yep. I I look forward to looking back on the entire rest of the game after I've beaten it this time and kind of trying to figure out where I would put this one cuz I think it's mm. going to be I definitely think it's going to be uh, higher up for sure. But I'll let you know. I'll let you know where well, I land with yeah, it. Yeah, let me know. Yeah. Okay, let's get into part four, which is where we talk side quests in which Matt and I actually have a few things to kind of bring up this week. I'll go first. Um, I found a few different pretty cool things in this chunk of the game um, that were pretty fun to discover. Uh, So Matt had already done this last week, but I went to the um, I went to the uh, Circle of Rocks up in the north. Uh, Eastern section where Zora's domain is in the light world. And I got the medallion from throwing the skull in there. That was uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, the big thing for me was that I, I traversed under the graveyard in the dark yes, world yes. and acquired the magic Cape. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, 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 what? Yep. Yep. That's a hard one. An optional, very cool item. Okay. Well then yes. I need to go do that next week. And it's kind of tough. It's kind of tough because um, the game has you sort of thinking that you need to have the upgraded power glove to get in in there. Um, But really, all you need is access to the dark world and the magic mirror and you can make it happen. Um, Which I thought as well when I play when I play through, I'm like pushing on it. I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. I thought thought we could do this. And then we come back and it's like, oh, no, just 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 smash into it. (laughs) Yeah, so definitely very interesting because you would, yeah, you you would think you could push this grave out of the way, but you do need to Pegasus dash into it in order mm-hmm. to uh, move it. But yeah, you get down in there, you get the magic cape um, that gives us access to basically on demand invulnerability for a certain amount of time, right? Well, that sounds very useful and very nicely. It allows you to pass through bumpers. Oh, the yeah, gotcha, gotcha. When yeah. you have the magic cape on, which is very nice. Yeah, uh, drains your magic at an incredible rate, but it definitely does. Definitely a pretty cool thing to have access to. So that was good, um, Matt. I, so I have not actually gotten upgrades to my magic meter yet, but this is another thing Mike was telling me about last week. He went and he got the upgraded magic meter where it says one half, right? And he was kind of pissed off because he had just saved the game and turned it off before we hung out. And he was under the impression that this character had taken half of his magic meter from him. <laughs> so it sounds like that. It does. But, yeah. but what it actually does is it makes any magic item that you use cost half the amount of normal. 
Gotcha. Yeah. But because the guy's all snarky with you, you think he's actually putting a curse on you. It's, it's funny. It's, <laughs> it it's is. Very yeah. Funny. The mad yeah. batter. Cause he's also in a link to the a links awakening. It's yeah. the same character. And he's the one that's like, I will curse you with carrying more items. Right, Double right. your, you know, quiver capacity. Like, Oh no. How yeah, dare you? Right. Yeah. So you did that, Matt. What else? What other side quests? Oh, you dude, I did too? a ton of stuff. I got, I have now all three, um, medallions I have the Bombos, the quake and the ether medallion. Mm. Um, I have magic. I got magic powder for the first time. I got like four, I got two full heart containers. Mm. Um, and I, Oh my God, there was one other thing that I did. Hold on one moment, please. Dang it. I know there's I know there's another thing that I did, but I can't remember what it is. I need to find my switch and turn it on and figure out what it is. Oh, oh I found another piece. I found another bottle, another empty bottle. Ah, so cool. I, yeah, gotcha. I now have two empty bottles and I upgraded my boomerang. I upgraded my shield. I got uh, the two medallions that I was missing. I got magic powder. I upgraded my magic meter and I got a ton of heart pieces. So uh, I did, did a lot. Upgrade, did you upgrade your medallions? Uh, I'm sorry, what? Did you upgrade your medallions? You can upgrade the medallions. <laughs> you can try upgrading the medallions. I'm going to go try to upgrade the medallions uh, like right after we're done. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I've Sounds like a good plan. Three times and I <laughs> never tried that. Mm. No. <laughs> no, you can't. Okay, I saw, I saw that. No, okay, that was that was that was clever. Okay, I, I, almost, so, I was like waiting for you to like. I was like, oh, he's gonna lean back and gonna be on his phone, and I can tell him like, which like. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I oh saw that. <laughs> I was so confused. I was like, really? No, that like, sounds so op. <laughs> he had yeah, me going too. Right. Yeah. Hey, oh, did geez. you find a place where you can increase how many bombs and uh, arrows you can? No, I actually haven't, and I've yeah, really been cool. wanting to find that because I still yeah, can yeah. only carry. 10 bombs i think i might have accidentally increased my arrows because i can carry 30 arrows and i think you could normally only carry 20 that's the default that's okay so yeah i need i need to go find cool because i really do want to find the increased bombs and arrows oh cool i did find the bottle under the bridge in the light oh yeah in the section oh there's a bottle under a bridge can you get three bottles okay so i'm still missing one bottle then i need to go find that one so are there any, I mean, I know, I know you were mainly doing the dungeon, Ben, but mm. like, did, did you get into any side questy kind of thing of any sort in here? There's one thing, but I will save it for my, um, whichever the section is where we talk about our favorite person. Well, you know, we typically do that in part five, which is Z targeting where we lock onto fascinating <laughs> characters or enemies that we happen to Dick. cross. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so let's just go ahead and get right into that. And we're going to give it to Ben. Who's your Z targeting pick for this week? So my Z targeting is the white octopus that is in where I the sanctuary used to be. He looks like he's about ready to like to teach a class or something. He does. Just like yeah. how he's like set up. Uh, you pay him 20 rupees and he tells you about there is a new well of wishing, mm-hmm. uh, but it has been um, it has been bricked off. And, uh, and you, you need something more there. than a normal bomb. He was yeah, like, you can't yeah. be breached Matt, by a normal bomb. And I was like, okay. It, yeah. I remember you listening and you being, and this is like when you were super salty about like the bombable fake walls. bombable walls. Yeah. And <laughs> you're like, and I tried to bomb this wall in the golden pyramid and it didn't work. And I'm just like, yeah, man, doesn't work with regular bombs. You'll, you'll learn later. Uh, but yeah, this guy tells you somewhere you're going to have to get a super bomb. So I don't know. 
power bombs. Maybe Samus is going to show up. Like, who knows? Maybe oh, yeah. in the wishing well <laughs> to get it. So, yeah, you'll have to see. But, uh, but yeah, that, that's my, that's my, uh, my Z targeting uh, is, the, uh, is the white octopus in the classroom. Right? He was dope. That was, a, that was a cool discovery as well. Yeah. And I will say, Matt, that in order to beat this game, you do have to solve that puzzle. That so. is, oh, you're right. Yeah, that is true. Uh, that is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. So, there you go. Um, okay, Matt, what, who was your Z targeting pick? For the show? Mad Batter. I love, okay. I do, I That's do love that one. character. He's a fun one. Uh, cursing you with, uh, carrying more things in Link's Awakening and, uh, giving me a basically double magic meter in this game. Love the Mad Batter. He thinks he's a real badass, but really he's just a very helpful little <laughs> sprite. So thank you, Mad Batter. Nice. You, Mad nice. Batter. So I, I was actually going to go with, uh, I haven't done an enemy in a little while, but I'm going with Mothra. Um, yes. Yes. Who I just like, look, I, I tend to um, pick Z targetings for a few different reasons. And one of them is occasionally just how cool someone looks. And uh, Mothra looks really stinking cool. Like the design of that boss artistically is is awesome. Um, but also just, just for the fact that like, look, I've played a lot of Zelda and I mm-hmm. don't, find a lot of Zelda that really challenges me from a combat difficulty standpoint anymore, you know? Sure. Um, sure. Like a lot of it tends to kind of be a little, a little easy. And uh, so I'm giving it to Mothra one for the design and two, because uh, he just thoroughly kicked my ass up one side and down the other. And I haven't had that in a while. So yeah, it sounds you. like between the three of us, I think we died a collective of like 10 times. Yeah, which like we're kind of like professionalish gamers, so like that, like that tells you something. It's I a mean, hard yeah, boss. no, the, that's that's definitely true. Like yeah. I, this is the first time in my entire Zelda career I have had to leave a dungeon to go upgrade stuff in order yeah. to beat the boss. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah, I had to well go done, Mothra. Yeah. Good job. Excellent. All good picks, guys. All good picks. Let's get into part six, which is our final thoughts, where we turn it over to Matt to wrap up this section of the game as succinctly as he possibly can. Matt, it's all you. So this section of game continues our trend in the absolute upping of difficulty week over week. Uh, We encounter a section of game that is accessible via our new hookshot that takes us to a dark mirror of one of the more populated sections of the light world that is really barren and full of dangerous enemies. We come across probably the most unique dungeon that I have personally encountered in Zelda that challenges us in a lot of ways to think more three-dimensionally than normal and, and has a very disparate feel. It takes us to a boss that takes uh, a lot of challenge in uh, the randomization of uh, the damage that it does and the way that it flows. Uh, we get a new fun item with the fire rod. And uh, honestly, it's a, it's a spoopy little dungeon for the week of Christmas. Uh, okay. all, all the way around, good section of game, very difficult uh, and challenging. It is it is quite a it is quite a spoopy dungeon. I remember when uh, when we were hitting Ben and Pat up to ask them which one they wanted to do. They're like Skull Woods. They're like, wait, is that the week of Christmas? Merry Christmas, everybody. Perfect. Yeah, Matt, do you actually do you stand by that that this is like maybe the most unique dungeon you've ever played in a Zelda game? Uh, Yes, absolutely. I can't think of another dungeon that I have to go in and out of the overworld as much as we do here. Well, that's fair, but I think it's still the second most unique dungeon. Ooh, what I do you think is the most unique? 
Stone Tower Temple. <laughs> oh, with the pillars? Is that the one with the pillars in Link's Awakening? No, that's the one. That's, that's the one in Majora's Mask where you turn it upside down. That mm. one is. I don't remember that one. So, but uh, can't I cannot <laughs> wait. So, you guys should be going to Majora's Mask next, right? Uh, we're gonna play Link's Awakening, and then we'll go to Majora's Mask. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Oh, can't wait for you guys to get there. Yeah, man. Literally, like. It's it's ingenious. That, that uh, you, now that you say that, mm. 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 yeah. Number I one, love that 2D. temple. Number one, two D. Yeah. Oh, oh, there we there go. go. That's fair. Number most one, fair. most unique two D dungeon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fair. That'll do. Oh man! All right, that does it for the Sacred Realms rundown. We will of course be back next week with another installment of the Sacred Realms rundown, where we cover another section of the game. Guys, this has been an incredibly fun episode. Ben, I'm like, I'm really happy that you could join us, and I'm sad that Pat couldn't be here to kind of join in on all of this. But like, seriously, um, for 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 you know, obviously we had a lot of great conversation, but also I must say that I really appreciate you, you know, overachieving in terms of like going back and replaying this dungeon, even though you are not currently involved in a playthrough of this game. <laughs> Taking notes, like g- being really on the ball uh, for the purposes of creating good pod. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, really excited for the invite and uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, to keep uh, hanging out with y'all. We do it oh, all yeah. for the content. Oh, we'll definitely do this again. Fear, fear you not, listeners. This is not the last you've seen of the uh, the uh, the two the two brothers of Zelda, the two brother duos of Zelda podcasting getting together to create some content. It shall happen again. Absolutely, it shall. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's. Hey, where are you guys in Ocarina of Time right now? By the way, like. Oh, um, yeah. So we just beat the uh, Forest Temple. Mm, nice. Phenomenal yep. temple. Yep. Yeah, That's I know. Good. It's such a such an amazing temple. It's and, a good one. Uh, yeah, yeah, and you just forget how long those adult temples are. They're very long. They're, they are. Yeah. They're lengthy. They're very long. They're like hour, like hour plus potentially. If you kind of if you die once or you make like a mistake or something. So yeah, yeah. Yep. Great boss fight in that one too. I'm pretty sure Phantom Ganon was my Z targeting <laughs> pick the week that we played that. Phantom Ganon is one of the higher rated bosses on our uh, boss tier list. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, very good. Very good yeah. boss. Sweet. Excellent. Well, as we said at the top of the show, if you guys are not already uh, following Hyrule Podcasters, um, seriously, go go do that. Uh, it's a hoot. Uh, I love I love listening to them as they're actually playing through the game in real time. Um, and like we said before, very different than what we're doing here. So uh, with our powers combined, you know, you get a, a whole bunch of Zelda goodness. We are unbeatable. Boom. And who can who can truly say no to that? Um, so yeah, lots of, lots of great stuff happening there. Um, as we did say, this, uh, episode will be releasing, uh, on the Wednesday before Christmas for all of you who celebrate Christmas. We do wish you a very Merry Christmas. And if you don't celebrate Christmas, then we hope that this holiday season has been wonderful, um, and led to many happy memories for you, especially coming at the end of yet another not amazing year in the, in the history, in the history of, the, of the world. It's yeah, just, uh, been so. not great. <laughs> yes, so we we hope that uh, all of you coming towards the end of this year um, are are doing okay, um, and that you've you've managed to salvage some good and fun experiences out of twenty twenty one, which has been not excellent, just on balance. And we hope that we could at least be a small portion of uh, that that for you. And if uh, if we are, let us know. If we're not, 
maybe let us know how we could be better. But uh, hey, we if, appreciate if, each and every one of you for tuning in and listening to us and uh, enjoying video gaming and just the community that we have. So thank and you. If we, if we were a large portion, then that's okay too. I mean, yeah, absolutely. If we were a large <laughs> portion. Uh, but yes, we appreciate each and every one of you and wish you a very Merry Christmas and a very happy holidays, however you uh, celebrate uh, this absolutely. time of the year. Absolutely. All right, guys, you ready to get out of here? I am ready. Cool. Uh, everyone, let's say bye to Ben. Bye, Ben. Bye, Ben. Bye. <laughs> Tell Pat we missed him. I will, yeah. This was great. Yeah, thanks so much, y'all. It was really fun. All right, guys, if you enjoyed today's show and you'd like a little extra Sacred Realms in your life, you can head over to patreon.com slash sacredrealmspod and become a patron. If you've got no rupees, it's not a problem. Five-star Apple Podcast reviews are a great free way to support us. More reviews means that more people see our show. That makes us very happy, Hylians. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sacred Realms Pod for updates on the podcast and for behind-the-scenes action. Sacred Realms will be back next Wednesday with our thoughts on A Link to the Past, Chapter 7. A Link to the Past can, of course, be played on a variety of Nintendo eShops. It can also be played on the Game Boy Advance via cartridge on your Super Nintendo Entertainment System on the SNES Classic Edition or on the Nintendo Switch via its online subscription program, which is the format in which Matt and I are playing this time. In the meantime, may your hearts be full, may your arrows never miss. We'll catch you guys next week. Sacred Realms is an independent podcast production, which is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Lyndon Willoughby. Our music comes from Zelda and Chill by Mikkel and is graciously provided to us by Mikkel and Game Chops Records. Zelda and Chill is available to stream on Spotify or to purchase directly from GameChops.com. Finally, our thanks go to Nintendo for creating such exceptional and innovative experiences. 